Welcome to the podcast, The Human Way, with me, Kelly O'Dell. In this episode of the podcast, I'll be taking up one of the key problems with the way we view motivation and how sometimes our best intentions can go all wrong. The holiday season is upon us. And for many of us, this is a time for gathering with close friends and family, It's a time to reunite with people who are a significant part of your life story. These are the people who have helped shape who we are. Some of these people have been there for us when we needed support and encouragement, and others have counted on us for their encouragement. And there's an old saying that familiarity breeds contempt, and it's no secret that sometimes those who are closest to us can be the ones who frustrate us most. But more often than not, we hold deep underlying feelings of love and trust for these people who have helped us meet the challenges we face in our lives and contributed to who we are. When I came to Sweden 32 years ago, I had an American Express card in my wallet. As I recall, American Express had sent cards to college students at no cost as a marketing activity. And I imagine they hoped that that the students would get used to using the card and just keep using it when they were no longer students. In my case, it worked, and I've been a customer since then. So when I came to Sweden, all I had was this credit card and a few hundred dollars in my pocket as I embarked on what turned out to be the adventure of my life. On the whole, I've had a great time and experienced things I never even dreamed of and learned things that I didn't even know I didn't know. But there were times, especially in the beginning, when I felt insecure and I worried about what I'd gotten myself into. At those times, I remember thinking that if everything goes to hell, I can go to the airport, take my American Express card and buy a ticket home to my parents. And then I'd figure out how to pay for the ticket later. So my parents were there providing me with encouragement and they didn't even know it. They were helping me be brave enough to continue striving to fulfill my dreams and ambitions without even talking to me. They didn't have to say anything or do anything because they'd already done it. They'd shown me that they would always be there for me through thick and thin. Even even if being there meant being on the other side of the world, they were there, giving me the encouragement I needed. Without saying a word, They were telling me to go for it. Take the next step. We'll be here if you need us. Sometimes the best encouragement we can give another person is simply to be there for them. No words are needed. And sometimes the words of encouragement we choose can harm more than they help. Misunderstanding motivation and the dangers of what I call encouragement. One of the people in the academic world that I follow the closest is Edward Dietschy. Dietschy is a psychology professor from the United States, and he's one of the leading experts in the world in the area of motivation. Together with another professor, Richard Ryan, Dietschy worked on the idea of intrinsic motivation, and they developed a theory they call the self-determination theory. Now, I have articles on my blog site, as well as uh, my book, The Human Way, where I develop the concept of self-determination in more detail. 
But Dietschy argues that despite our good intentions, when we try to motivate other people, there's a greater risk that we set up barriers for their motivation than there is a chance that we can increase it. Managers, teachers, football coaches, and parents generally all have good intentions, but we all know from experience that their encouragements often turn out to be encouragements. Here are some examples of encouragement that I've recently bumped into. A teacher said to a 7th grade student, I'm going to give you an A because I couldn't come up with a reason not to. Another teacher said to an entire classroom of students, I'm not going to give anyone an A so you have an incentive to work harder next semester. A manager told an employee, I know that I'm not good at giving praise, but I'm very good at giving criticism, so if you haven't heard anything, it's a good sign. Another manager told me once that he tries to avoid giving praise to high performers because they'll just turn around and use it against him in salary discussions. Do you see examples of encouragement in your own organizations? Some people might argue that most people are good at giving encouragement and that I'm only presenting negative examples. And I really hope that that's true. I hope that I've just had the bad fortune to bump into a few bad examples in close proximity to each other. But for us to view these examples of what I call encouragement as anomalies or exceptions, they'd have to be very rare. Even if these examples of encouragement are less frequent than real encouragement, they may still be frequent enough to be a problem. I suspect that we're all at risk of unintentionally practicing encouragement more often than we might think. As we get caught up in our daily lives, we forget how important our reactions to small incremental achievements of our children, colleagues, and employees really are. We may underestimate the value of a pat on the back or just a simple, well done. It's probably fair to assume that these practitioners of encouragement have good intentions. I doubt that they want to undermine their students or their employees' self-confidence or motivation. But somehow, despite their best intentions, what they believe to be encouragement comes out all wrong. This is really the essence of encouragement. There's no ill will intended in encouragement, quite the opposite. But it's the effects our encouragement has on the other person, not our intentions, that define the concept of encouragement. The most striking thing for me is that it's not a question of giving criticism to underperformers, a task that can be very difficult. This is a question of giving or not giving encouragement to people who perform well. Giving criticism may even be harder than receiving it, but giving encouragement? That ought to be the easiest thing in the world. Here's some tips for moving from encouraging to being encouraging. My first tip is, if you want to encourage someone, keep in mind that it's not about you. It's not about demonstrating what a great leader or teacher you are. While you certainly have an impact on your employees, students, and children's performance, 
it's ultimately their performance, not yours. You're supporting them on their journey. They're not supporting you on yours. The best leaders, the best teachers know that their performance is judged through the performance of the people they lead. Tip number two, focus on being encouraging. Encouragement isn't a question of what you say or do at formal meetings twice a year. It's about how you are every day. And sometimes you don't have to do anything. As the popular song by Alison Krauss says, you say it best when you say nothing at all. Tip number three, don't be afraid to give criticism when necessary. But if you find yourself spending more time criticizing than encouraging, then you're probably doing it wrong. And don't fall for the old advice of wrapping criticism up in positive statements. The sandwich method just doesn't work. A sandwich made of spoiled meat is a bad sandwich, no matter how good the bread is. Tip number four. When you give encouragement, make it real and unqualified with no reservations. Avoid saying things like, you did a good job, and if you do just this one little thing, you'll be even better. Just say it was a good job, and give a little example of why you thought so. Tip number five. Remember that sometimes the best thing to do is just stay out of the way. But be available. Your presence and your interest can be all the encouragement that is needed. This month's book recommendation, not surprisingly, is Why We Do What We Do by Edward Dietschy and Richard Flaste. This is the book that sums up the research around motivation. It's the book that has inspired people like Dan Pink and Anthony Robbins and many others who work with motivation. This book is firmly based in scientific research and full of concrete examples. If you care about motivation, your own or other people's, and haven't read this book, it's time to do it. My recommendation for article this month is The Psychology of Encouragement, Theory, Research, and Applications by Y. Joel Wong. This article takes a look at the science behind encouragement, and the author argues that Despite the fact that encouragement, or at least attempts at encouragement, are part of our daily life, it's a poorly researched topic and very misunderstood. This article presents a good model for understanding and working with encouragement called the Tripartite Encouragement Model, or TEM. Although this article is really addressed towards therapists, I found it very useful in my everyday life, both at work and at home. You can download this article as a PDF at, the, at a link on my homepage. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and I look forward to talking to you again.